0: Good evening, baseball fans. It's time for the Running the Bases podcast. I'm Tucker Wells. Joined, as always, by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, in basketball, we escaped tonight. Whew, that was close. Hawks, Braves, duh. if we had a hockey team, I'm sure the Capitals would be beating us, too. What's up with Washington sports? Is there a more hated sports city in Atlanta right now?
1: No, I don't think. Yes, I I still think that New York is always going to be more hated than Washington, regardless of what the situation is.
0: Yeah. Well, this past week we got absolutely destroyed by the Nationals. There's no two ways about that. We did. Yep. We got absolutely destroyed by Harper. Yeah single-handedly all right so we're going to be reviewing uh, a few of the books from the baseball literature show in depth today and it is now officially a calendar month in the season so i thought we might look back at our fabulous preseason predictions whoops whoops um let's uh let's start from the top here um in the american league the yankees uh on top of their division uh you predicted them as finishing fourth i had them as third
1: what do you make of the yankees performance this far i still far? think they'll finish fourth yeah where i don't think they had the pitching to, to i mean uh they played over their heads i mean the only reason they're winning at all is the rest of the division is so bad who would have thought oh yeah they're terrible boston no pitching
0: whatsoever they're uh, they're coming in at a robust 4.97 team ERA which is good for 29th in the league. So, um,
1: but Toronto
0: is being Toronto,
1: you know.
0: Yeah, Baltimore is uh middling but you know that's been extenuating circumstances in that city. Um and then of course there's Alex Rodriguez. Uh he's halfway to the home run total you predicted for him. He's Past Willie Mays. What do you think about that sentence? A-Rod is career leader above Willie Mays in home run.
1: Statistics and numbers like that don't mean anything like what they used to. I mean, what do I think? Uh, Am I going to put A-Rod in the same breath as Willie Mays? No, no. William Mays was one of the greatest players I've ever seen in my life. Was Arod? No. He was a juiced player who hit a lot of home runs on, in on a, a short in short band boxes. I can't believe
0: that he's gotten the cheers at all for breaking that record. He should be booed ruthlessly. Um It's not going to get any prettier between him and the front office. Barry
1: Bonds was a hero in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, certainly New York is not having so warm of a reception. Considering that A-Rod out and out got caught cheating, you know. I mean, full-fledged, there is no way to deny it. He doesn't even deny it. That's the one thing that, uh, that Barry never outright did. And he never will. And that's admit uh, the Mitchell
1: admit, report kind of says opi- uh, opposite. But Mitchell report true,
0: yeah. But Barry still, you know, in in Barry's world, didn't know that he was uh, taking that stuff twice a day for three four years. He so. didn't know, according to him, mm-hmm. you know. But I just yeah. I'm amazed that a rod that that ESPN MLB Network are all just talking about it as if it's an actual accomplishment. So at any rate moving right along uh in the AL Central this is completely upside down what has happened to Chicago and Cleveland they're they're at the bottom and we predicted them to be at the top what what do you make of Chicago's struggles in
1: particular uh pitching hasn't been what it, it should be though no- I, I, what I think about Chicago is that it's early yet. I'm not, down, I'm not down on Chicago yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, absolutely, it's early. This is just, you know, looking at things at the 1-6 mile marker, um, as it were, the one fifth, I guess. Um, and probably the biggest surprise, though, league-wide is in the West with Houston. Uh, Houston, predicted by you and I to win no more than 70 games, is sitting on top of the division. But a fun fact about that is... Three of their everyday hitters are batting below 200 uh, with uh, close to a 1-2 strikeout to at-bat ratio. So, not quite the sabermetric darling that they were hoping to be. No, and they strike out way too much. They do. Uh, Some fun numbers I found. Chris Carter, 47 strikeouts and 106 at-bats. Colby Rasmus, 39 Ks and 92 at-bats. Springer is... One out of every three, he's striking out. And then our boy, Evan Gaddis is 29 uh, Ks and 109 at-bats. But Gaddis has looked good. He's looked
1: better recently, which is uh, a good thing to see. Yeah, well, so, yeah I, I hold no nothing against him. But the Astros strike out way too much to be where they are later in the season. Right. Um, over in the,
0: the big surprise, though, in the West, uh, my pick for the winning at all, Seattle, has been very middle of the road. Um, and Taewon Walker. My pick as well, yeah. I mean, Yeah, I mean, they just, uh, I mean, Taewon Walker hasn't been what he was uh, advertising in spring training. But I must say my favorite thing from the year so far has been watching Felix Hernandez pitch, particularly at home. And if you haven't seen this yet out there in radio internet land, uh, the the K court in Seattle is quite possibly the best home field advantage for a single pitcher right now. Yo, he's unbelievable. He's he's the best right now. He's Fernando Valenzuela. Yeah, and then uh, Sonny Gray has been every bit as good as advertised. Um, and uh, you got to throw in there a lot of love for Dallas Keuchel in uh, Houston. Yeah. Don't know if I saw that coming either. I I talked about Sonny Gray. I I thought Sonny Gray would be something.
1: We did, and he's mm-hmm. uh, he's delivered. And on he is, for
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, furthermore, um, in the National League, uh, the Dark Knight, uh, very cool nickname by the way, quite possibly the coolest. Um, five and one, two seventy two ERA, thirty eight strikeouts, only five walks. Looking like the Cy Young you predicted. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then for our hometown Braves, Shelby Miller. Absolutely, he's going tonight. Yeah, looking good. Can you believe that we actually got the upper hand in a trade with the Cardinals? It's almost scary. Yep, it may be a sign of the apocalypse. Um, That's like the Cubs winning the pennant. Yeah. So reviewing a couple of uh, offensive performers that we were uh, looking forward to, Giancarlo very slow start by his standards. Uh, he's not quite at
1: MVP Offense- form. Offensive, I want to talk, the Braves have been, it's so refreshing to watch the Braves are one of the best offensive teams in the National League.
0: Yeah, surprisingly so, to say the least. We thought they would be all pitching and no
1: hitting. And it's the other way around.
0: Yeah, it is the other way around. I mean, you know, I don't know if anybody could have predicted how poor (laughs) Tehran was going to be this early on, you know, he really is in danger of just falling right off the table. Um, but yeah, they've been a great team to watch and certainly Andrelton Simmons has been just phenomenal with the glove work. You almost you can just dial that in as automatic. We're seeing Fulton Avich now his first start was in April, I think, truly in April, but a lot sooner than we I think predicted we would see him. And I think that's a good thing. he's two
1: no. Oh, uh let him get his feet wet. He's gonna lose some ball games. He's not he doesn't have the control down yet, but he's got Serious stuff. You know, it's let him get, you know, let him have his Glavin year, his first year where he's gets knocked around a little bit. Yeah. I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. Uh, my pick for uh, MVP candidate, though, and Andrew McCutcheon, I don't know what happened to him, but I think it's because he cut his hair, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's a Samson thing, but he's batting a robust 223 only two home runs and 14 RBIs. That's not going to get it done when you're supposed to be the engine of a, of a pennant contender. So no, I agree. So the Brewers fire Ron Reneke. You believe
1: that this is going to be the first of many to go. Yes, I do. I think we'll have uh, six uh, firings of managers before the All-Star game.
0: Before the All-Star game. Right. Uh, who do you got in line uh, as, as being uh, next
1: for the firing squad? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Uh, the all right, the you know uh, surprise is I think Maddonly it will go at the All Star break. You think he'll get fired at the All Star break? Right. Dodgers are top of the league right now. I think Maddenley will be fired at the All Star break.
0: Well, that's going to be interesting to see and considering they're ha- the producing. I know. Speaking of where the All Star game is being hosted, uh, Brian Price of the Reds is not doing himself any favors no, with his uh, no, language.
1: No, he's not. That was embarrassing.
0: Yeah, to say the least. Um, and then uh, you know Redmond in Miami, there were already stories coming out about him getting fired early on with their slow start. We talked about this before, but right. how do you how do you feel about him now since the Marlins are looking to round back into shape?
1: Uh, I think he should be fired for how well he hit Glavin.
0: <laughs> well played, well played. You know we didn't talk much about the bullpen. But uh, on the subject of bullpens, um, Craig Kimbrell is uh, has an ERA in the mid to high fives, very unKimbrel like. Do you think that the the uh, last second upheaval for his his life has something to do with that? No, I think
1: uh, a reliever's ERA. You know, you give up two runs in a particular game, and uh, you're shot for the first half of the year. Uh, Kimberl is a top reliever. Yeah. I, I have nothing against him. He gave up a couple of runs that, you know, just mess up what uh, makes him look like he's falling apart, but he's not.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I can't remember if he grew up a Braves fan. I want to say that that's part of his uh, mythology here in Atlanta, but I got to imagine you play for one team your whole life and you have all uh, thoughts that you're going to be with him for another two years. Uh, Um, it's gotta be partially in there, but I do believe the same.
1: He's a top reliever. He'll, he'll, he'll flip it around. Five relievers in the hall of fame. I mean, and that's making Hoyt Wilhelm, one of them, Eckersley fingers, Suter, Gossage, and Wilhelm. Uh, they all play for multiple teams. They had ups and downs, all of them. Uh, Eckersley is a little bit different because he was a starter for several teams until he gets to Oakland but um, no uh, Kimbrell will be fine yeah I agree I agree it's you know
0: it's uh, just an interesting plot that was going on in the first month provided his arm says it right there yeah. is that that thing yeah. could just dangle all the way off um, and then lastly the uh, one of the hottest topics of spring and uh, you know we're um, I think twenty games into the career of Chris Bryant. Um and he just got his first home run the other day. He had eighty one at bats to get that first home run. Um is that a sign of nerves
1: or major league pitching, pitching is that much more I don't remember you know? how many to- how many at bats it was before Willie Mays hit his uh got his first hit and then it was a home run that was like seven grillion feet off of Warren Spahn. Uh, and he did all right.
0: Yeah. And then final uh, bonus points question. Uh, back to the bullpen. Andrew Miller in New York. 13 saves, 13 opportunities, 26 strikeouts, and 15 and two-thirds innings pitched. A zero ERA. Is this a dark horse Cy Young candidate after a month? No. No.
1: All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> no. <laughs> there, there you have that. He... He will I he won't end up with a uh less than a three ERA. Yeah. He's just been taking advantage of a subpar yeah, AL It has just worked well for him.
0: Yeah. Everything's broken well for the uh Yankees so far and now it's just about to break. I think I believe so. Yeah. Hey, C Sabathia. All right. You're Good right. job putting all that weight on. Pitching so much better now. Right. All right. Well there you have it. And, and then look
1: Naka, you know. Hey.
0: Is he even still there? I don't even know. <laughs> I haven't heard much. He's on the team. Well, there you go. All right, and the arm's still attached. The elbow's mm-hmm. still intact. So, so we'll see. Um, but at any rate, we'll be able to. You'll be able to find these uh, in writing. I'm going to post uh, our full predictions to compare and contrast for the rest of the year. We'll check in on this every month or so for for a brief moment. But we're going to revisit some of the fine works of baseball fiction and you have three in particular that you wanted to talk about
1: that you reread um yeah after our talk about this and the different works of uh baseball fiction i i realized i hadn't read uh several of them uh in really decades and so i went and reread three of these books and i'm i'm just well actually i reread four of them but three of them just i'm like this is so much, they are what baseball is, you know, and I I, I love it. And I, I I, hope other baseball fans will read some of these books, and it's like what it's all about.
0: Um, first up, we have The Southpaw. Um, did you reread this one first?
1: Uh, no, it's the one I, I'm actually, I'm about 20 pages away from finishing. Uh, it is a book by, Mark Harris, where he takes a pitcher, a brash, egotistical, northern redneck left-hander in like 1950, I think. Uh, Most of it takes place in 1952, 53. The whole thing is first person in this pitcher's uh, own voice, which is just tremendous. Uh, Mark Harris, he writes about baseball, but he is as concerned with the human condition and the growth of the individual as much as anybody. What he writes about is parallel to different parts of American culture. It's what baseball is. Uh, But the voice in this particular book is remarkable. I'm going to read uh, two paragraphs here uh, from the Southpaw. And... uh, The second sentence is about 5,000 words long. I mean, it's the (laughs) biggest run-on sentence you've ever seen with all sorts of um, tense and uh, agreement eras and stuff. But it is America. It's what it is. And the vision of baseball as this pure... Uh, the vision of this pitcher, he reminds me so much of Juan Marichal, who he's talking about here. Uh, but let me start. He, uh, This is this pitcher talking about his father uh, in great admiration. This pitcher goes on and becomes like the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, well, let me start. I've seen many a pitcher, but there's a few that throw as beautiful as pop. He would bring his arm around twice and then lean back on one leg with his right leg way up in the air. And he would let that left hand come back until it almost touched the ground behind. And it looked like he was standing on one leg and one arm, and the other two was in the air. And then that arm would come around, and the other leg would settle down toward the earth, and uh, right in about there, there was the least part of a second when his uh uniform was all tight on him stretched out tight across his whole body and then he would uh let fly and that little white ball would start on its way down toward the uh toward the line toward Tom Swallow and pops uniform would get all a rumple again. And just like uh, it was some kind of a magic machine, the split second would, uh, when the uniform would uh, rumple up, there would be this smack of the ball in Tom's mitt. And you realize that the ball had went 60 feet, six inches in less than a second. And you know that Uh, you seen not only pop, but also a mighty and powerful machine and, uh, what he done looked so easy. You thought, uh, you could do it as you could do it yourself because he'd done it, uh, so effortlessly and it was beautiful and amazing and it made you proud. That was two sentences long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it's and with all kinds of problems but the motion of the pitcher and everything that's what baseball is and it was uh it's such a voice of the innocence of baseball in the 50s uh a a, just a, a a wonderful thing uh the book goes all through this this kid is growing up and he's brash and he thinks he's like uh the bee's knees and uh but he gets cheated out of money uh, left and right. He, but, uh, it's just, it's a great story about uh, baseball in the 50s. You come out of this and you understand the Cuban players who were coming up in the 50s and you see the uh, uh, the people that are beat out of the bushes and uh, how you had to compete in those days, uh, all about the uh, early uh, uh, minor leagues in those days and uh just a wonderful book, a wonderful book.
0: To uh to have a run-on sentence like that that goes on for several paragraphs is that a technique by the author to convey the um
1: the the uneducated side of this hero? It's a voice of a uh what he calls a hero. Uh this guy Henry Wiggin uh talks about how he has to be brash and everything. If you're not brash uh you're not going to be any good, you have to believe in yourself and i've always believed that uh you know if you don't believe that you're going to be that you're the best uh that you can beat the person you 're up against you're not going to and uh right, yeah. but it, it's um it 's just a taste of americana in the nineteen fifties
0: yeah um uh The author, um, Mark Harris?
1: Yeah, uh, Mark Harris. You're right. I'm sorry.
0: Mark Harris. Uh, What other works has he done of note? Um,
1: If I never get back, um, and I have forever thought that The Natural was my favorite baseball novel, but after rereading... If I Never Get Back, I'm going to change that. The Universal Baseball Association, J. Henry Wogg, proprietor, has a certain connection with me, but it is uh, by Robert Coover. Uh, But that one is dated now because uh, of technology makes that one somewhat obsolete. If I Never Get Back Again, uh, if I Never Get Back, that's the name of the uh, the novel by... uh, Harris, and uh, this is his second novel. It doesn't have it has no connection at all with the first. It doesn't have any of this kind of uh, illiterate voice that he's trying to capture. In this, there is a a person who falls down on a uh, train platform uh, in New York uh, in modern day, and suddenly is back in time, and he is traveling with the old. Cincinnati Redlegs who were the first truly all professional team. Uh and he travels with them for about a year and a half as their backup player. He goes through all the experiences that they do. He meets Mark Twain, the the James brothers, uh Jesse and uh Frank James. He goes on the first continental uh the uh, what was it? the transcontinental railroad, the uh, the one that went from coast to coast, he goes to San Francisco and sees the first dirigible. I mean, it's, it's uh, and all this stuff is stuff that happened to the Cincinnati Redlegs uh, at that time. The characters that are in the book, uh, not only the Wright brothers, but Al Spaulding and uh, George Millen and all of these people, they were there. I mean, they are the same, the, the people that historically were there. It is a love story. He falls in love with this old, uh, he falls in love with a uh, Confederate princess, so to speak. Uh, uh, it's just a, a truly great story. I, I gave this uh, book recently to somebody to read who had no interest in baseball whatsoever and and. Uh, this person thought it was one of the greatest books he's ever read. You don't have to like baseball to like the story that is connected behind this book, but it is uh it is also I mean but it's a baseball novel as well. Just a, a tremendous book. Yeah. It sounds
0: like baseball in the novel is the witness to the growth of America and the evolution of America like that's yeah, it's, it's James Earl Jones team. saying that yeah. stuff in Field of Dreams. Being both the cradle and reflection of if you will of uh, America as it grows through the 18th uh, 1800s. Um and uh, and these are by the same author. Yes. Southpaw and If I uh, If I Never Get Back. Right. Um how long ago was it that you first read If I Never Get Back?
1: Um 15 years. Yeah, I, I'm guessing. I, I don't know exactly, but it had been a long time. And after we did that podcast on the literature, I was thinking, like, I, I don't remember it that well. And I went back and read it, and it was better than I thought.
0: Yeah, and I guess reading The Natural every year for years as you taught well, it. Well,
1: The Natural, I, I did teach. And I will say, The Natural, and, and I love this book, and but I like the movie more. I, I you know, I'm sorry, but the book— in the book, Roy Hobbs is a boob, you know, and he sells out at the end and he sells, uh, he strikes out intentionally. He doesn't hit the home run that breaks the lights and all of that right. stuff, you know. I mean, the Hollywood this, ending. Right. It, Roy Hobbs is not our national hero. Uh, and that was such a, uh, and, and that's what Malamud was trying to do. He was, Uh, looking at a national myth hero, and and you were in a class where we talked about this. Uh, He was looking for a national myth hero uh, and thought that it could only come in uh, an American national myth hero, could only, uh, according to Joseph Campbell, could only come in the field of baseball. You could have... Your British national myth hero could be Robin Hood trying to steal from the rich and give to the poor. It could be in Spain. It could be El Cid rising to you know, great uh, – all of these different myth heroes and stuff, even in Africa and everything. In America, it had to be baseball. But in for America, that hero sells out. He sells out for money. Uh, and yeah, that, that's painfully true, uh, yeah. It is. I mean, and <laughs> Roy Hobbs is what we would, I mean, it's a sad thing. The, but the owner is based on Comiskey, right? And the, the, right, right, the right, Black right, Sox right, right. scandal. The, the movie is the heroic image that we would like to see, but the book is like, uh, that's kind of like, yeah, we really are like that. Uh, yeah, I, I. You know, one of the things I think uh, of The Natural, I like, Malema knew nothing about baseball. He didn't even know how many outs it took to make an inning. (laughs) And he hired several different uh, retired Major League ball players, Robin Roberts and whatnot, uh, to give him stories about baseball that he used in The Natural. A lot of them are based on Rabbit Moranville, uh, walking around uh, along uh, the outside of uh, hotels uh, sneaking into different windows and stuff. I, I wish I knew more about Rabbit Moranville, yeah. which is a transition to the other book that I've reread recently, uh, The Glory of Their Times. This is a book that— I think this is new to the to the podcast. I'm not sure no, if we no, talked we, about we this. Did. In the, we, okay. did. we did. Okay. We did, I'm pretty sure, the because uh, that's why I reread it. Okay. Uh, uh, the glory of their times is stories written in the voice of these different ball players that played from like 1890 to like 1910. The first few are Rube McQuard. Uh, Tommy Leach, Dave Jones, Sam Crawford, George Gibson, Jimmy Austin, Fred Snodgrass, Stanley Kovalesky, Al Birdwell, Hal Hooper, Joe Smokey Joe Wood, Chief Myers, Hans Lobert, uh, etc. These are uh going through Goose Goslin and all these people. Uh this is like all of the great ball well, not even great ball players. They were players that played during this time from eighteen ninety to almost nineteen 19- or so. 1915, I would say. They really express the innocence that existed in baseball at that time. These were, these are people that would sooner uh, be whipped than to cuss, but they would also believe that they needed to eat a Full slab of 15 sausages before they played a game uh, every day. I mean, it, it was, uh, uh, and they talk about the game itself in a way that is so innocent, uh, but so pure. You, you really like them all, no matter uh, who they are. Yeah. And they all you- disliked Ty yes. Cobb. I was just about to say that. Good thing they left out Ty Cobb. Oh, no. Ty Cobb's not in there, but just about every one of them mentions Ty Cobb at some point or another. Ty Cobb and Johnny Evers, not two of their favorite people.
0: Now, the glory of their times, is this uh, closer to a a nonfiction work? If
1: if it's actual... It's completely nonfiction. It is completely nonfiction. It is. uh, They are like memoirs uh, from about 40 different players. Uh, This guy, Lawrence S. ritter Uh, who compiles all this is not really a writer. uh, He was a uh, historian, a political uh, person, uh, did a lot of different things in his life. But um, uh, for this, he was more a publisher than anything else. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, uh, one of the two Mark
0: Harris books should be uh, more commonly found on high school and or college curriculums for teaching English literature? Uh, or that it would
1: at least it would qualify as, a, as the a- southpaw is a good as uh, as an english teacher i could use the southpaw as a genuine example of voice in teaching voice i i would uh have used that uh easily uh with no problem whatsoever if i never get back again no i i think a much superior book to the Southpaw. I would recommend this to anybody. It's a wonderful story, and it makes you you move through four or five hundred pages like uh, they're butter. I mean, you are like you can't wait to get to the next page. Uh, and it's there are all of these different stories that are uh, just all tied together, and it's I mean. We, we have we're traveling back in time, and we got Mark Twain and the James Gang, and all of this stuff, all wrapped in uh, mysteries, finding uh, Confederate treasure after the war, and uh, a love story that, uh, and seeing old city, seeing Cincinnati when it was so polluted, uh, it made. Beijing look like a paradise. I mean, you know, uh, a a real taste of 19th century America, but uh, just a a wonderful story. But Mark Harris is not William Faulkner. I mean, I'm not going to say that he is, as an English teacher, no, if I never get back again, is not going to win any kind of Pulitzer or Nobel Peace uh, Nobel Prize Awards or anything but it certainly is going to hold your attention it's a great an entertaining novel and if you're a baseball fan I don't know I do not know of one single book that is more entertaining for a baseball fan
0: nice all right there you go much love for Mark Harris
1: in this show so yeah really yeah, I, I haven't reread the Universal Baseball Association. J. Henry Wog, proprietor, and that had always been one of my favorite baseball novels. I, I that is, on, I've actually ordered a new copy of that. Uh, the I it, it's a game. Uh, it's about a person who becomes uh, locked into a game, and he uh, has loses track of reality and the game itself that he's invented become an obsession with him. Uh, this could have some sort of connection with uh, these different gambling institutions like FanDuel and uh, what's the other one? Uh, DraftKings. DraftKings and stuff that exists now, which we will probably talk about in our next issue. So, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think coming. I will have read that. Uh, I've got a couple other books to read before uh, J. Henry Wogg Proprietor, but we'll see.
0: Well, I'm going to get on board the ship and start reading them, too, so I can contribute more to these uh, to these particular discussions. But All right, well, there you go. Coach, thank you so much. And for those out there uh, listening, if you have a book, uh baseball-related book, that you're a huge fan of that you would like to hear us discuss— Coach Bounds discuss with all. Oh, of I'll read it in a in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. You got any literature, anything having to do with baseball, and you want an in depth analysis from a a truly world renowned English teacher? Your ID <laughs> scores are legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, leave comments on our on running the bases TV or post a comment on our Facebook page. So. Well coach thank you very much and uh for coach bounds I'm Tucker Wells this has been the running the bases podcast we're coming in home we're safe good night coach good night Tucker